the other people have left to go to the pool, you know, go gambling, and here we are standing here. So I don't know which ones are crazier, uh, the ones here or the ones not here. <laughs> no. But um, as Angela said, I've been a practicing hygienist. I've also been a dental assistant, um, in, an office manager, receptionist. And you know what? The field just keeps getting better and better and better. And I know that y'all are sitting there thinking, like, there's no way this girl could be working for 23 years in the dental field because I look so young. And I agree with each one of you. However... Working in the dental field has just been amazing, and it just keeps getting better and better. But with that, though, as a graduating from school, getting out and working for a practice is hard. It's hard to do when you're just getting in there and you're just learning how to clean teeth. Well, I was blessed enough to start working with the dental office who just started implementing or trying to evolve with a periodontal program. We started through that, worked for an established dentist. He was there for about 25 years before I started working for him. And um, he was cool because he let me really learn and grow with them and try to see what we wanted to do to do better. But getting out of hygiene school, you don't really know what else is out there. You don't know really what you're doing. So I worked with him, and he's been, he was a great mentor of mine. I worked with him for about 10 years, learned so much. And then what happened was um, he decided to sell his practice after 10 years. So then there was a new dentist coming in. Well, I was an established dental hygienist. So that was kind of, I was taking on a different role because now I had to introduce this doctor to the patients to be able to basically buy the dentist. So it was a different role that I had to play. Well, after about a year doing that, my original dentist that I worked for, he decided to open up a practice and get out of retirement and work in Greenville, Texas. And so he begged me to go work for him, or at least that's how I remember it. But anyway, I went back to work for him. So then I started working in a practice where I was the new hygienist, where an office that they did not even have a probe in the whole entire office. And you hear stories about that, but you don't think that really exists and you're thinking they're telling stories. It's true. So I worked in an office where they didn't have probe. The doctor did some of the scaling and replanings, the easy ones. Okay? The hygienist did strictly just cleaning alone. And um, it was just a real eye-opener. So I was actually, being the new hygienist here, and new philosophy and new everything, had to then start converting the patients over. So there's different, no matter where you are, it can happen. You could be able to make a change if you wanted to. Um, I worked for Invisalign, or worked with Invisalign and treating in patients for Invisalign for about 10 years. And it's just amazing on how much this has really changed. I have seen it go from just changing really minor relapse cases to this morning, I think the best way to explain it, if y'all were in the morning session or morning meeting this morning, um, he said, you know, Invisalign, the direction that it's going is going to be where if you could be banded and it could be moved and it could be bracketed, Invisalign is going to do that. And you know what? I've seen it go from just at the very beginning stages to it's going to be amazing and we all get to be part of that. That's just what's really cool. I am a currently practicing hygienist, like Angela said, and so I work Monday through Thursday, 8 to 12, 1 to 5, just like y'all. And with that, I love being up here speaking because honestly I just talk about what I do in the dental office and how I am with my patients and the hurdles that I come across and what the patients ask me. And so to me, I think that's just what everybody does. It's going to be the same hurdles no matter what every single time on what we encounter because hygiene isn't different. You just work in different areas, but we also have the same problems. We still have the one hour in the hygiene visit. That's one thing that hasn't changed. And even some of y'all have 45 minutes. And when we run behind, it's even less than that. But regardless of the one hour, we still have certain things we have to do. And back in the day, you know what people used to do? It's just more of the exam, the x-rays, and the cleaning. And that's what they used to do. 
But now we do so much more. It is amazing that we can get all of that done in one hour. And that's how much it really has changed and how many things we really do have to talk about to get through these patients. And actually, I had to change the font to be able to fit everything that we do. So what does that make you want to do? Go back to the office and say we need a raise. Exactly. So I don't think there's anything I left off of here. Oh, yeah. And then we still have to clean teeth on top of that, right? So those are the things that we have to look at. But with this, I think this is best said by, if y'all are familiar with Selena and um, Edward James Almost, he was saying about how much they have to be to everything. So no matter what profession it is, we try to do so much to so many in a so many given time. <clears throat> Being Mexican-American is tough. Anglos jump all over you if you don't speak English perfectly. Mexicans jump all over you if you don't speak Spanish perfectly. We've got to be twice as perfect as anybody else. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What's so funny? Nothing. I'm serious. I'm Our family has that. been here for centuries, and yet they treat us as if we just swam across the Rio Grande. I mean, we've got to know about John Wayne and Pedro Infante. We've got to know about Frank Sinatra and Agustin Lara. We've got to know about Oprah and Cristina. Anglo food is too bland, and yet when we go to Mexico, we get the runs. Now, that to me is embarrassing. Oh, Japanese Americans, Italian Americans, German Americans, their homeland is on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> Ours is right next door, right over there. And we got to prove to the Mexicans how Mexican we are, and we got to prove to the Americans how American we are. We got to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans, both at the same time. It's exhausting. Man, nobody knows how tough it is to be a Mexican American. Don't you love that? Nobody knows what it means to be a dental hygienist, right? We do so much in that dental chair. It's amazing. So really, everything that we do is going to focus on the periodontum. We're therapists to everything. We're thumb sucker therapists. We're uh, nutrition therapists. We're sometimes just therapists because some of these patients need help, right? It's just amazing on everything that we talk about in the dental chair, and we only have one hour to do it. So really, I think periodontal therapist is the correct word to classify us as. Not a dental hygienist, but a periodontal therapist because we're really attacking and discussing so many different things in the dental chair. On top of that, guess what we get to add to it? Invisalign therapist, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about. You know the reasons for loss of teeth. Okay, we don't have to go really through that. Cavities, bone loss, and malocclusion. But the case that I brought today is going to be over malocclusion. When I talk about malocclusion, we have this one patient. I try to use current things, and I'm really lucky this patient came on in. Um, tooth number 29, whenever she was coming on in, this was back in 2008. Okay? This was just in June. She ended up losing that tooth. So it's a healthy tooth. It doesn't look like there's any cavity on it. There's no restoration on it. It's just she ended up losing that. We're going to see this here in a little bit. <clears throat> so today what we're going to do is just talk about really finding it from the hygienist perspective. So with me in the dental chair, what I look at. Then it's going to go from discussing it with the hygienist to the patient on what we want to be able to get out of it. And then also basically closing it from the hygienist bringing in the dentist and what he talks about. You know, when I was sitting for lunch, um, I was talking to this one dentist and he said that his dental hygienist, and he had two of them, said that uh, they don't really discuss about that. It's, it's not something that the hygienist should discuss that it's something more of, he goes in there and asks them, you know, did you know that you could benefit from braces because your teeth are kind of crowded, kind of crooked, and it's either a yes or no question. Or if you have relapse, you know, is that something you want to tackle? And it's just basically that's it. 
Well, of course, I'm not going to argue with them over lunch, right? But what I'm thinking is that for the dentists out there, it's like we spend the most time with these patients. So we should be able to be involved as well and be able to help them because we're the ones who spend the most time with them being able to, to identify with them, to relate with them. And they're the ones who are going to trust us more. It's just proven fact. They're going to trust the assistants, the hygienist, the front office, and then the dentist. So why not let those people make it easier for you and let us be involved and be able to help change their lives too? And, you know, in our practice... Um, just to kind of let you know what kind of doctor I work for. I mean, like, he's really fabulous, but, you know, we don't talk about numbers a lot. Granted, at the end of the month, you know what the numbers are. But with us, it's more of, you know what, if you take care of that patient, your numbers will be there. And that's really our philosophy and our practice. And what you need to have to be able to do that is going to be the intraoral camera. Because the patient can come into the room, and you can talk to them about whatever it is you want to talk about. But if they can't visualize and understand what you're talking about, they're not going to have a clue. You didn't make that connection. Now, I'm going to show you this. I think this is really cool. But this is what's really neat is that you have to be present and know what you have to be on the same basis and know what you're talking about. No, but I like to hang out with my family a lot, hang out with my sister. We go get our nails done. Any ladies in here get your nails done? Nice. On this crowd, how about any guys? Any guys down from Manny Petty? Don't lie. Sir, don't lie. Don't lie. I can see your nail polish gleaming in the lights right now. Don't lie. It's all sparkly. You take him with you, huh? Yeah, see? She ratted you out, dude. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, me and my sister, we go over. Um, it's a place called Beautiful Nail. I was kind of confused when I first read the sign, though. Beautiful Nail. Just one. Just one nail. Do I get to pick which one? Or no. Now with these ladies, they're so nice. You know, they make you feel like it's all about you and customer service. You know, whatever you lie, we do for you. <laughs> really nice, yeah. As soon as I walk in, they greet me right away. Hi, honey, what you need today? <laughs> Can I get my nails done? Okay, honey, do you lie pedicure too? Uh, no, no, just my nails. Honey, why you don't lie? Pedicure, it may look nice, it's so sexy. It's better for you. Oh, oh, all right, sure, then I'll get a pedicure too, thanks. Okay, honey, sit down, I'm gonna sick my ling, she do for you, good job. Only $20 a month, that's okay, sit down. Oh, okay, thanks. So my Ling starts doing my nails right away. Um, by the way, her American name is Tammy. Tammy. You have boyfriend? Um, no, no, I don't, I don't have a boyfriend. Honey, why you don't have? You look so pretty, like model. Chill later, something birthday. You like long or short nail? Uh, short nails, please, thanks. Oh, honey, that's why you don't have boyfriends. <laughs> I do for you, long better. All right, fine, I'll have long nails, thanks. <laughs> okay, honey, only four dollar more, that's okay. Do you like crystal gel? 
huh? Do you like crypto gel? Um, uh, I'm sorry, um, what? <laughs> Honey, do you like crypto gel for your nail? It's the best thing you can have for your nail. Make it look nice, it sparkles like diamond in the sky. Do you like crypto gel? <laughs> oh, um, no, I don't want crypto that thinks. Honey, you say to me you do not have boyfriend. I don't want to help you. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I'll have some. Thank you. It's okay. It's better for you. Only six dollar more. <laughs> Open it. Go wash your hand. All right. Thanks, Tammy. Oh, wait. Hold on. This one here is a little bit crooked. See that? No, honey, that your finger. Do like that. <laughs> funny because my finger didn't do like that before I came in here. It's okay, honey. Don't worry. I fix it for you. Don't worry. Took moon on my bone. I'm saying I'm thinking I'm on to my mom. Oh, she said you look so pretty. <laughs> true though? I love that. So no matter what profession you're in, it's important that you're on the same page. You're going to be on the same page. I think what happens is the intraoral camera just plays such an important role. And no matter what, the, the intraoral camera has to be accessible to you. And talking to other hygienists out there, some of their hurdles are is like it's on a cart, so they have to kind of wheel it into the room. Or they have to go and get it from the other hygienist who just finished using it, and then she has to go and bring it into her room. It has to be readily accessible to you 100% of the time when you're in the room with the patient. Otherwise, you're not going to use it. So if you have something that's hard to do, you're not going to do it. So it should be at your side the whole time when you can pull it and just turn it on. There's wonderful, there's wonderful intraoral cameras out there, and um, I, I don't get paid for, any, for telling you which ones I use or anything, but it's just more important that you just use an intraoral camera that you're comfortable with, that works with your, your um, software, and that you can use pretty easily. So this is Paula here, okay? When she first came in, Paula was, uh, or she actually came in two weeks before she came in for this visit, and she brought her eight-year-old son in. And, her eight, and Paula is a nurse. She's a nurse um, oncologist. And so what it was is she was concerned about x-rays, which of course, being in that field, you would think she would be. So what happened with Paula is uh, bringing her eight-year-old son, she didn't want her son to have x-rays. So I let, her son, or I let her, Paula know how important it was to have the x-rays especially with the dentition that he's having, adult teeth coming in, baby teeth going out, what's happening with them. I mean, she's, she's in the medical field, so she was understanding like, okay, let's go ahead and have it done. But you know, I showed her the pano of her son, and she was so grateful. Now, they may have taken the pano somewhere else at another office and didn't even tell her anything, maybe, you know, why they were doing it, but I was able to show her the pano on her son and seeing the, the different things coming in and coming out with the teeth, she thought that was the most amazing thing ever. So when Paula came in, this is the issues that she had, which was none. Okay, she's a healthy individual. Her main concern is getting her teeth white. She knew nothing else. We know something different. When you see that, what are you thinking? Crooked teeth, right? Oh, she can straighten them, okay? And then whenever you start taking x-rays, look what you see. You're thinking, oh, perio, probably perio. It's probably hard for her to keep everything clean on in there. 
So I went ahead and take the x-rays, took the panoramic x-ray, and this is more from the hygiene standpoint right now. So what I did notice is the only thing that I saw was maybe like right in this area here, it looks a little dark, okay, tooth number 32. Um, 31. And then the crown with the root canal, that's kind of weird. Other than that, everything else looks good, wouldn't you say? Going from there, everything else looked great. We do do the intraoral examination and the extraoral examination. And I know whenever we get out of hygiene school, we're so happy that we're not watched that we are doing the intraoral examination or the extraoral examination, right? Because you're thinking that it's just so much to do in one visit because we don't even know how to clean teeth yet, okay? So we're going to spend a whole hour trying to clean teeth. But in our office, we do go ahead and do this. Dr. Glover comes in later on and he does the overloading of the joints and making sure that everything's working properly. But this is what I do, the intraoral and extraoral, just like we did in school. Pulling the tongue out, checking everything out. Everything seemed fine. No issues there. Looking at the probratings, two bleeding spots. A couple of fours on in there. But I don't see anything perio-wise to even talk about, to even see what, what would be the reason for straightening her teeth. I have no idea. So in the dental chair, this is what I start to do. So what, looking at that, I was just thinking, well, I have no idea what I'm going to even talk to her about. So I just start taking photos. And the photos just start coming with the intraoral. And even though it may seem like those are the same pictures, I might take the same pictures. But what I do is I'm just looking for anything, the lingual view. And these are all the pictures that I actually took in the room. Looking at the lower teeth here, there's some crowding present. She has some tori on in that area as well. But nothing else different. Oh, me. And I just start taking picture after picture. I noticed just the way she was hitting some of the teeth. Oh, I'm having issues. Sorry about that. Like this little area here, I thought, oh, what's going on with that one? So I just take a closer look at it. Well, if you can tell where she's hitting it, okay, by lateral forces, you can start to see there's like a little tiny crack that's starting right in there. Very minute, but it's present. But I wouldn't have been able to see it, and she wouldn't have been able to see it if I didn't have the intraoral camera. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm just taking picture after picture of just kind of whatever I see in the mouth. And I literally start from right side, left side, I can see some abfractions going on. And I think, guys, that when we talk or when we see patients, even when we see abfractions, we don't really tell them we see the abfractions. Or what does the patient say that they know if they do have abfractions? It's from brushing too hard, right? But we now know that there's other reasons why they can have abfractions. Why is it that she would have abfractions from brushing too hard on the right side and she doesn't brush hard on the left side? Well, that's weird. So something else must be going on there. <clears throat> and this is all, again, from the hygiene standpoint. I'm just everything I'm looking at. And then I just start literally from tooth number two or one, whichever one they have, and I just work myself around. And I just start taking pictures, and I'm just looking for anything. You can see some wear present. Where my clicker's working. There we go. Right in that area there. So I just start taking pictures here and there and just trying to look to see what I find. There's that wonderful tooth number five, and it looks like there's either some wear or some adjustment done, whatever that may be. And, and actually, she was getting food stuck slightly around this area here. So I just start taking pictures to see, to see what I see. Some sealant material. So her, her teeth were sealed, but some of them are on or some of them off, or maybe they did half of them, or maybe they did who knows what. Um, these are the anterior teeth, and you know what? These are kind of cloudy, so they're not very good pictures, but these are the pictures I actually have taken on this patient, like when I was in that room taking it. So not everything's going to be crystal perfect clear, but you need to get the picture because if you need to talk about it, you have reference to it at least with the patient. So when I start taking pictures here, some sealants on, some sealants off. She has some chipped teeth on in those areas there, a little chip 
right in that area. How many times have you really seen teeth with no chips, nowhere, no nothing? Majority of the patients have that. So when you start to see that, I want you to start to think, you know what, what's going on? What's making that chip? What's making that worn area? What's making that worn spot? Another chip right in that area there. That's a little area a little closer. Worn area here. And so I just start taking all the pictures of all of the teeth. Little chip there. And I just basically go through them all. So that way, you can see the wear on the lower anteriors. A little chip more worn areas, and it's just basically I just keep going on and on and on with pictures. Then I go and do a side view because I want to see how that tooth number 30, 31 look like in that area. Look at how worn that is. And I love to tell my patients that, you know, whenever you see worn teeth like this, you've worn the cusp tip off. You know how, you know, everybody knows how to draw a molar. You know when you see a molar, they've just worn that off. Look how flat that is. That's where you are. But they can't visualize it if they can't see it. Okay, so those are the intraoral pictures I take. Then I knew something's going on with tooth number 31. Remember that little dark spot? So I wanted to see the way that tooth was hitting. And when I took a picture of it slightly open, now I'm really taking these photos. When I'm taking them, I'm like, okay, slightly open, oh, slightly closed. Okay, open just a little bit. Okay, go ahead and close down. And that's how I do with my pictures. And the patient's looking at me like, what's going on? I want to see the way the teeth are hitting each other. I want to make sure that they're hitting okay. Okay, and I use that a lot. I want to make sure to see how they're hitting. So on this tooth here, number 31, with that little dark spot on the x-ray, and then when you have it go straight down, you can see actually a little fracture line starting right there. So those are the things that I picked up when I was doing the intraoral camera. Again, she has no problems, no pain, no nothing. So it's like, okay, now presenting it to the patient is where I'm going to start off with. Okay, so this is Paula, and I just tell her how healthy she is, how everything looks fabulous. I tell her, pardon me, let me go back one. How healthy she is, the medications, that she doesn't take any, that's really great that she doesn't. Her blood pressure, really great. Pulse, wonderful, 73. Oral cancer exam, well, that looks normal. Floor of the mouth, looking at that, that looks great. Everything's healthy. She's doing a really great job in their brushing. Joints felt good. If I don't tell her that everything looks great, who has or who will? We know what we do in the room, but if we don't tell the patient what we do, then they don't know that we do it. So these are all the different things I showed her. I show her these pictures that I'm going through now on the upper front teeth, a little bit of stain. She's doing a great job really keeping all that clean, especially with the crowding. It's hard to get in the area, but she's doing a fabulous job. I can't talk to her much about brushing and flossing because this is what she looked like. Sealant, some are on, some are off. And then I talked to her about maybe going ahead and just replacing the sealants and getting them 100% on all of the teeth where they should be, like they once were. She was in agreement, and we went ahead and did all the sealants as well. So she already thought by all of this that I've already done more than what most people have. Now her other hygienist could have very well have done all of this, but the thing is she never informed the patient that she did it. She never gave her like a report card, a feedback of how great she's doing. She never heard that. So you know what, I'm already one up about, about it because I've educated her and told her how wonderful she is. When granted, someone else could have done it, but they didn't tell her. That's where she was. Her probe reading, so I show her the probe chart. Well, that looks fabulous. Nothing to worry about. I mean, her gums look great. Everything looks good. Even on that lower right side, nothing to worry about. Two bleeding spots in the force. So I'll let the patient know that. So as far as I could tell, everything looks fabulous. The only current concern that I would see would be on tooth number 31, right in that area, with this little dark spot. That's an area that concerns me. And just the way the teeth are just slightly 
leaning in this area. But other than that, everything looks, looks really great. So on that lower right side, Miss Paula, is the spot that I look, take a look at closer is going to be this little area here. So looking at this area here, you can see just how much worn it is on the right side than the left side. This is again the right side, and this is tooth number 31, just how flat it is, and looking at more of the fractions. <clears throat> so talking to the patient, I let them know. When we're looking at fractions, what we look at, that's what can develop whenever you're hitting your teeth really hard. You're just really banging those. And whenever you do that, it could slightly flex a little bit. And why it's happening on the right side versus the left side, and I go back to show her on the x-ray. Oh, pardon me. It could be that the teeth are just leaning on the left side versus the right side on why they're hitting so much harder. So on that back tooth that I'm most concerned about is going to be the way it hits. And I love this picture. I think this is a great picture to be able to show your patients, to really show them. So when you're open, this is what it looks like. When you start to close down, you see that little worn spot there? That tooth is just basically banging down over that tooth and rubbing down, causing oh, that little fracture line right there. And that's on the lower right side. And you can see how the, how the teeth kind of connect right here on the, on the panoramic x-ray and how they hit each other. And whenever you do cause a lot of, of, of a hard hitting on the tooth, then it, mo it moves the tooth a little bit and it causes some darkness here because the bone is starting to recede. It's not liking that at all. So whenever you open and you close down, show her the same thing because that's the area that I'm most concerned, about, oh, pardon me, most concerned about. And then I go through the chips. So then I just kind of show her in general. Take her back to the intraoral cameras again. And I just show her, okay, there was a tooth that was chipped a little bit. And it's just minute. You can start to see them here. And then you continue to see that over and over. And I show her these pictures. Because then, you know what, I only show her the first two times. And then she comes back and starts to show, tell me, like, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. But how many times have we really seen chipped teeth on a patient and we don't say anything. It's a little chip. It's a little tiny chip. It's a little bit of wear. It's a little bit of wear. There's a reason why it's there. We just need to figure it out. It's just an all little puzzle piece for us. So I show her then the front teeth, how the front teeth hit. And then I show her how this tooth seems to be more worn in this area, how it's just really been hitting and banging on one of the teeth whenever she slides right to left. And then you can see that little tiny crack right on in there. So my question to her, looking at all this teeth, and I show her the tori, I said, you know, the tori looks normal. The tori is just a little bit of growth of bone. It just went a little bit further than the rest of it. But you know what? Studies are showing now that tori can be present from just a lot of forces on the teeth. Okay? It's important that you do your hand motions because the patients are going to really understand what you're talking about, that they're banging hard. So whenever I was talking to her really about the teeth overall in general and the way they hit, I asked her, do you know what happened, why you needed that crown on the upper right side? Because all of the other teeth look fabulous. I mean, that's just what's amazing. Everything really does look really great. Just that one tooth right there needed a crown and a root canal. And you know what she said? She broke it. She broke it at the gum line on a weekend and needed to have it taken care of. So I already kind of knew that just by, I kind of figured that just by looking at the chips, looking at the cracks, looking at the fractures, looking at the x-ray. I kind of figured that's what happened to number five because what else could it be? It wasn't cavities. This patient is not in, doesn't have a lot of cavities. So looking at that, so I told her, you know what? I can guarantee you 
that most likely is going to happen to the rest of your teeth, the rest of your back teeth, because those take all the chewing forces. You're hitting so hard on your teeth that you're actually rocking them where some of the bone is starting to recede. You're hitting them so hard that some of the teeth are starting to develop little fracture lines, stress lines, when the teeth hit together. And so with that, she's like, oh, my goodness. Well, what do I need to do? So with that said, though, it's important to notice that with the rocking, with wear, with whatever it is, notice your patients on who has crowns. I want you to go back to your office. Notice your patient who has crowns on the back molar teeth. When you see a patient that has on all their molars crowns, that's probably a patient who does grind and clench your teeth because those are the teeth that are going to go first for your molars with all the chewing surfaces. So when you see someone with all of these crowns coming in, that's just a red flag. Do they have an occlusal appliance? How does their teeth look? Could they be, could they be um, aligned differently? Those are the different things you want to look at. So coming from that, now I'm going to go from being the hygienist for the doctor to be coming on in, and I'm going to go ahead and do the transfer on over. So when I'm talking to the patient, I tell them, you know, let's let Dr. Glover see what can be done. Looking at that, you know, doing, um, getting the teeth in a better relationship would help. Dr. Glover will have to look to see how, how we could be able to do that because it's all about what the dentist is going to be diagnosing, right? So it's more of like, let's see what Dr. Glover has to say about that. I think that Invisalign would be a good way to go. Just getting the teeth in a better relationship is going to be the best way. And she's like, so what do you mean? You mean like straightening them? And I tell her, you know, I think getting them in a better relationship so they hit a lot softer is what's going to really help and really be able to keep your teeth for a really long time and prevent any more crowns that happen on this upper one because you didn't have a cavity in it from that ever happening again. So I talk to her about what the clear aligners are about. I bring out the little models and I show them, take off the aligners, show her what they look like, that you're going to change them out every two weeks. They'll probably come into our office about every six weeks to get some new ones and we can be able to keep track of them like that. But the most important thing is whenever you're in these aligners, they're actually going to protect your teeth so you don't continue to wear on the teeth. So you don't continue to bang them like you've been. They're going to really be a good protective barrier for you. So as you're, as you're protecting your teeth, you can also whiten because that was, one of their main, that was one of her main concerns is whitening the teeth. Well, you can whiten them at the same time as you're protecting them and getting them in a better alignment so everything hits a lot softer. And so she went ahead and wanted to do that, but what is the question that always comes up? Of course, how much is it? How much is it going to cost? So most consultants will tell you don't ever, 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 ever talk about fees in the op. In our office, this is one thing that we do. We do talk about fees in the operatory um, with Invisalign because you can't go through and show the patient how great it would be to be able to align the teeth differently so they hit better and softer without telling them the price tag or what it's going to be. So in our office, what we do is we're like, you know, and I got this from Dr. Hodges. I think Dr. Hodges was great whenever he told us this. He says it could be anywhere from like 4,900 to 6,300, kind of something like that. But it's really hard to be in the room because, you know, we're in an op and we're in a small room. You can't really go and say 4,300 to 6,900, Miss Paula. You can't do that. So what I do is whenever I'm in there talking to them, okay, it's like, well, how much is it going to be? Well, it's going to be anywhere from 4,300 to about 6,900. You know, just real subtle. And I promise you, it works. At first, I thought Dr. Hodges was like crazy because I thought there is just no way. What difference does it make if I'm here and I'm here? It doesn't matter. Well, for those of you who have kids, okay, and this is before I try the Dr. Hodges thing in, my, in the ops, 
I have a 10-year-old, and she did not want to do, she didn't want to read. And you know how horrible homework is on a Wednesday night when they have like all the stuff they have to get done reading-wise. And so my daughter goes, I don't want to read, Mom, I don't want to read, I don't want to do my homework. What do you want to do? Shoot yourself, right? So instead of shooting yourself and strangling her, I was thinking, oh, Lord, just tell me what I could do with this child because I'm going to lose my patience. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to say, you know what, don't read. Don't do anything. Don't read it all. Don't read it all. It doesn't matter. But you know what? Those other kids in class, they are going to read. And just letting you know, when you go to class, your kids have read, and you have not read anything. Now, I didn't say about anything. And you know what she tells me? She goes, Mom, I don't want to be down here. I want to be up here. I'm going to go read. And so she went to go read. But I didn't even have to say anything. She's the one who took that as a power suggestion. I thought, dang, that Dr. Hodge is pretty good. He knows what he's talking about. And so it really does work. I mean, just little gestures really does tell a lot to your patients on what's happening. It's amazing. So we talk about the fee. So whenever I said that to Paula, it's like 4900 to 6300 I don't really know. Dr. Glover is the one who's going to be able to, to let you know how long it will be. Okay, 18 to 24 months, it's really hard to say. So when we start talking about that, I'm more of, I kind of get to be the more person who's like, I'm not real sure, but let's see what the doctor has to say. So I gave them like a medium point. So then Dr. Glover will come on in, excuse me, so Dr. Glover will come on in and he'll say, you know, 5,200. But you know, and the patient looks at me like, you know, at least I'm not at the 6,300 or the 6,000. So she already feels like she's already kind of one up because it's like, wow, I'm not like the most expensive. So that's great. So that's a good way to be able to talk about how much is Invisalign. So when you go through it, it's really important, important, important that you use those intraoral photos. And some, I mean, I know offices can go and they can use the lip retractors and they can be able to take pictures and they look really nice. But you know what? In the, in doing dental hygiene, you don't have that time. You only have an hour and you saw everything we had to do in an hour. It's crazy. So work with that intraoral camera so you know what to be looking at. And when you look at this as well, just notice like in general, how are the teeth? What's going on? But these are retracted and I don't really have time to do that. But use that intraoral camera and if you don't have one, get one. Talk to your doctor. It's so beneficial in being able to see everything. Whenever you, whenever you take the pictures, really involve your patients. The patients want to see what's going on with them, what's happening. Because if you haven't showed them what's happening in their mouth and nobody else is, how are they supposed to understand just by you telling a story about it? They're not going to get it. Pictures are powerful. I think I love this one the most. It's really important that you get the way the teeth hit each other, what's happening with that. Because patients can't say, you know, you hit really hard. Well, yeah, you hit really hard, but so what does that mean? What is it doing to my teeth? So if you can really get them a visual to be able to show them, then they can be really identify with you on, like, what's happening? The little fractures, the little cracks, and the chips. We see the chips. We see wear teeth. We, sh- we see fractures. We see worn crowns. We see chipped crowns. But what does that mean? What's happening with the occlusion? How can we change that? How can we make it better? How can we make sure that that patient doesn't continue to have chipped and broken teeth and lose them? That's what we don't want to happen. And if we can educate our patients on just showing them just little things like this, it's huge. They are so happy that they can do something to be able to change it. With the effractions, it's real important to be able to bring the effractions present to the patients and help them kind of relearn. It's not about brushing too hard. Some patients, maybe it is. Most patients, it's probably not. It's more of just the way the teeth are rocking. They're just rocking really hard. They're chipping the enamel at the gum line. But if we don't show them, they may not know. 
<clears throat> and then on the lowers tier, it's just important just to look over all of the pictures, all the x-rays, gather all your information and be able to identify it and bring it to the patient's perspective. And then identify them as in just bringing it out. I didn't get to really get a good picture of the, um, the dentrix. We work out of dentrix. And you know, how many of y'all work out of dentrix? Quite a bit of y'all. So you can bring several different pictures up at one time. And then if you want to blow one up like this one, you can just choose it. And it can just kind of blow up and then it'll receive back. And that's the power of the intraoral cameras. And I'm not sure the different software that y'all use, but I'm sure it has a lot. I mean, just the way things are, it's just the ability is there. So use it to your advantage. Now, in our office, when I talk about occlusion and whenever I talk about fractures and cracks and broken teeth, I bring this tooth out. Now, granted, you're not going to bring a tooth out normally to show a patient what it is. I understand it. But here, you can see where the tooth is broken, right? On the side of it, you can see where the fracture line extends. And this patient ended up losing this tooth. Now, this patient isn't any patient. And what we love in our practice is this patient that lost his tooth is Dr. Glover because he didn't wear an appliance like he should because he said, well, I'll eventually go into Invisalign, so I don't need to make me an appliance. And he ended up losing his tooth about two months ago. Well, of course, we love that, right, because it happened to the doctor because he didn't wear his appliance. He didn't do the Invisalign like he tells all his patients to do. So guess what we do? We have this tooth, and we take it, and we show our patients, Miss Paula, this will happen to you because it happened to Dr. Glover. And if it happened to a dentist... It's going to happen to you. That's just how it goes. So that's the prettiest tooth I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> and looking at this here, being able to show the patient from one to the other and being able to show those pictures, like this patient didn't have anything wrong with them. This is what the tooth looked like when we extracted it. How beautiful of a tooth is that? The occlusal surface, there's no decay, a little bit of stain. I even ran the diagnodan over it to see what I got, a tooth. So there was nothing wrong with this tooth. But... You can see the beautiful abfraction right in that area. Isn't that a pretty picture? They lost it for no reason at all. And the great thing about this patient is she remembered us telling that back in 2008 this was going to happen. And when she came in in June, she was like, you're right. I should have listened to you. Don't you love that? We didn't even have to say anything. She knew she lost a beautiful tooth for no reason at all. So looking at that, I think the best relationship to be able to see that is just they're just wearing their teeth unevenly. And if we allow them to continue to wear their teeth unevenly, not to tell them the benefits of, that are out there, or not to tell them what kind of destruction there could be, we're not doing justice to their patients. They're going to end up losing their teeth. And I never, ever, 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 ever say the S word. Well, maybe that S word one time, but I don't say straight to my patients. Okay, ever. What I always say is I always say, I'm going to arrange your, we would like to arrange the teeth so you can hit softer. Because if you think about it, when you talk to a patient and you tell them they have crowded teeth and you're going to straighten them, they automatically think cosmetics. But when you tell a patient who has crooked teeth that, you know what, getting them into a better alignment or arrangement so they can hit softer, their minds kind of boggled. They're like, uh, what are you talking about? They don't necessarily jump to, you want to straighten their teeth and you want to charge them a lot to have a prettier smile. It's not about a prettier smile. It's about having your teeth for a lifetime. And that's when they really start opening up and they start listening to, to more of what you're saying. And this is my favorite. What if they say no? I have some patients that say, absolutely not, Rebecca. Don't ever talk to me about Invisalign ever again. Then what do you do? 
You know, what do you do whenever they say, no, I'm not interested right now, or you're crazy, I'm going to pay that much to drink my teeth. I've been, I'm 45 years old, and I'm 83 years old, and I have no issues. No, don't talk to me about that again. No way. What do you say? Well, what I like to tell my patients is, get their consent. So when they say no, I say, okay, Miss Paula, you know, I completely understand what you're saying. Would it be okay with you in the future if I notice any changes at all? Would it be okay to let you know that? Who's going to say no to that? They're going to say yes. So that's another opportunity next time around. Do I see any changes? Is there any evidence of change? Bring out my intraoral camera, show them. I can show a picture of when they first initially came in to what it looks like a year later. It's going to be worse. You know it's going to be worse. You could be able to visually show it to them. And I promise you, when, you start to, when they can really see the difference of what it looked like when they first came in to a year or two years later, they'll eventually get those teeth straighter, aligned better, so they could hit softer. Okay? So I've had a lot of patients who said no initially, but they ended up doing it. Now, a hygienist would come to me and said, you know, I don't know if it's an Invisalign candidate. I don't know when to talk to the patient about it. I'm not sure, like, how do I know, like, if it's going to be an Invisalign candidate? And my answer has always been, you know what, if it's going to be in the best interest of the patient, if it's going to really help the patient by getting her teeth aligned differently, if they could really use orthodontics in general, it doesn't matter if it's Invisalign or traditional orthodontics. You've done your job by letting the patient know that, you know what, something can be done to improve the health of your teeth so you can make sure that they last a lifetime. So I would say, you know what, if they need, if they need orthodontics, say they need orthodontics, and then the doctor will determine if it's Invisalign or not. And you know what, if they are, great. They're in that wonderful category. If they're not you know, then they're more advanced. So you know what? All the more reason to get it done. That's what I tell the patients. I love this one. And then what do hygienists say? Well, I don't make enough money to really talk about all this stuff because I just don't have time and I'm already working my butt off anyway and that's what I have to do. Well, this is, you know what? If you're wanting to do all of this, you're not doing it yet, okay, and you're wanting to do this, you're not going to make enough money. By the time you're done with all of this, this is really going to help your practice and it's going to help production, it's going to help the patients, and eventually you'll be rewarded for it. The doctor will see what's coming out of hygiene. So much can come out of hygiene if you give it a chance. We see just everybody in the practice. Why not be able to do a little bit more and really affect all these patients? And it's amazing just the gratitude that you get coming back from them. So yeah, you won't make enough money yet, but boost that production up just by going over what we should be going over anyway. Things have changed. We need to get on that train and keep changing. It's amazing. And the patients really appreciate it and love it. And then they say they don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to do it. Well, if you're focused enough, you're going to have enough time. You're going to have enough time to at least start off with taking four photos in that room with the intraoral camera. That's how I started. It was like coming out of hygiene school. I made myself take four photos in the room before the doctor came in. And then I just gradually, now I can't take enough photos. I take a ton of photos. So with that being said, <clears throat> these are my three little kiddos. My husband's not up here for safety reasons because he said if I were to dare put his picture up here, the women would go crazy over him and want to marry him, okay? <laughs> so more just for our relationship, we didn't put him up here. So these are my three kiddos. Now, uh, my son, he's six years old now, and he has Down syndrome, okay? Whenever, and we didn't know that whenever he was, he was born. That's him now. Isn't he so cute? But um, whenever he was born, they told me, um, Rebecca, he's not going to be able to breastfeed because he has Down syndrome, because of the muscle tone, because his tongue, he can't, he can't get that. He just can't get it. 
And so my thought was, like, I did two girls already breastfeeding. My son, he'll learn how to do it. How much time do I have? Because if he's starving, he's going to eat. Now I know I can produce, right? Well, about 24 hours, he was eating. And for that reason, I really think that you can see in the mouth here, his tongue's more controlled. He doesn't have that looseness of his mouth. And so he's just, he's just more, you know, toned in that area. Okay? But that didn't happen for just any reason. It was because I wanted that for Alec. I thought that was best. And then, not, um, kids are mean. You know that. And so I thought, you know, my husband and I were thinking, we we're like, how can we get people to know us? How can we get them to not, to not be afraid of Alec? Because, you know, the unknown is scary. When you don't know something, it's very scary, right? And so what we did is we were like, you know what, we're just going to make sure to put our family out there. People are going to know us. People are going to know my girls. People are going to know Alec. So we just put ourselves out there. They're going to know us. And so the, re- the way I kind of recognize this is we're doing what we should be doing, okay, is that uh, just the first part of the summer, we live in a little cul-de-sac, and there's a seven-year-old boy. His name is Mason. And he comes up to me, and all the kids are outside playing. And I'm always the mom that's always out there watching all their, everybody's kids, right? There's always a mom like that. Well, that's me. And so he goes, Miss Rebecca, your family is so popular. And I was like, Mason, you know, we just like everybody. And he goes, well, everybody knows your kids at school. And I said, it's because my kids, you know, they like everybody. And he goes, oh, I wish I had an Alec in my family. You know, but that didn't happen just by luck. It didn't happen that we were just blessed with Alec. It just happened, my husband and I knew that, you know what, if we were going to make it work for Alec, we had to do it on purpose to be able to make a change. And we wanted to make sure that we stayed involved in everything. So we purposely get out there and meet people. We purposely put ourselves in different positions so people can meet us, so we can meet others, so people can see Alec. And so, you know, the other kids over there don't treat Alec as being different. He's just Alec. And so they say we're just like the popular family because everybody knows us. But to say that was just awesome. But to go with that, it's like you can go to any CE course you want to. And you can go to any class that you want to. If you don't purposely bring something, one thing back into your practice to make a change, you can't make a change. So there's other people out there who have a lot more roadblocks than whatever it is that you think you might be going through. But just focus on it and purposely stay on track and you can make a difference. So just to let you know that I am purposely here for you all. I have my practice as well. Um, Elite Advancements is my business. And if you all have any questions, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you individually, as a group, whatever it may be, whatever questions you may have. That's my website. That's even my phone number. If you have any questions or if your doctor's giving you grief, then let's talk to him about it too. Okay, so if you all have any questions, I'm here for you all. But I hope you all enjoy the class. Mm-hmm.